Hello, and welcome to episode 193 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybok, and joining me today are my wonderful co-hosts, Spirit and Rabin. I sort of put a V in Spirit's name. I sort of combined your names. But anyway, how are you doing this evening, Spirit? I am doing wonderfully. It is a lovely spring day. I had I had a glass of tea that has mysteriously disappeared during the pre-show. <laughs> but, I mean, it was delicious tea, so I can't complain too much. Is it really a mystery? A mystery? No, I just drank it all while we were talking instead of podcasting, and now I'm going to run out during the podcast, and I'll be sad. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's tragic. And also joining us today is Robin. How are you doing? I'm here last minute. I didn't even put anything in the show notes or tell you I was here, so I'm glad to be here. Well, that's okay. It turns out that our tardiness has allowed you to join us without uh, it being an interruption in the middle of the show. So uh, glad to have you here, and you know, go, go us for being slow so anyway uh this week we have a whole new living story to talk about and all the respective things that go with those patches we are probably going to mostly focus on story because it just came out yesterday and thanksgiving is going to prevent us from podcasting for the entire week other than that so spoilers in advance we're probably going to talk about the whole the whole spoiler this week and then some of the other crunchy stuff next week um but we're going to be releasing it a few days after we record it, so, you know, it'll give people a little bit of time. Did either of you guys look at either of these things that got pasted into the show notes by, I think, Eric? Or did somebody oh, mean, else put them in? You mean the legendary Quack and Shield? Uh, I was not talking about that, but there's also oh, that. I thought you wanted to talk about a legendary Quack and Shield, because I know, you know, our former guild leader is going to be really excited that there's a legendary Quack and Shield. <laughs> Uh, there is that. Um, just, what are your guys' thoughts on that? I am having cars go down the highway. Um, I am somewhat surprised that they did another... So this is the whole thing, right? right so I'm going to use quote-unquote joke legendary, right? Um, the first time around, there were certain legendaries that had mm, versions that didn't take themselves very seriously. And some people really didn't like that. And so I thought perhaps with the second round, they just wouldn't do that at all because they got such a bad backlash. And it turns out that they are okay, I guess, with doing not so completely serious legendary, which is, I mean, depending on how you feel about them, cool or not cool. Like if you're really looking forward to a serious shield that wasn't Flameseeker Prophecies, uh, sorry. Or if you don't like quaggins and you wanted a shield, I mean, you, it's a bummer. But I think, I think it's cool. Like I, I am okay with the joke, quote unquote, joke legendary. I don't even think we need to. I don't even think we need to disclaimer it. I think it's fair to call the anything that shoots out a rainbow unicorn a joke weapon. Or yeah, well, there's a whole there's a whole thing because there's some other borderline because some people consider like Meteorologicus a joke legendary. How? Um, uh, just this is the conversations I've been having lately with people who are like, well, I don't like the way it looks. Okay. Wars. I okay. think Meteorologicus kind of a joke <laughs> legendary. I'd agree with that. How? It's just, it's like... How is a a you know diagram of the solar system going to in any way and allow you to cast magic and terror upon your it's foes? It's a wand. Like... It's again. Like how it's is a it? Wand. It has no like. I consider. I only consider things joke weapons. Uh, it's hard to exactly explain how a quaggan is a joke weapon, other than obviously a quaggan is a joke weapon. But like, 
particles are the biggest particle effects i think are the biggest offenders for joke weapons like shooting confetti or (laughs) shooting literal unicorns are pretty jokey but like or smashing someone in the face with a disco ball yeah disco ball is a little jokey although a little bit less jokey than others i would say because it's kind of just like shiny refracty i mean it is a disco ball but you could at least maybe make a justification i don't know meteorologicus is gaudy but it's it's a scepter like yeah that's my argument is that, like, it might not go with everyone's armor but that doesn't mean it's a joke right Okay, does Meteorologicus, do the planets float freely, or aren't they, like, connected by arms? Uh, it is a working model of the Tyrian globe and the moon, or two moons? I don't remember what it is. But it also has a day and night cycle, and, like, actually revolves and changes colors depending on day or night, which is, yeah, like, Yeah, but are the planets floating? Cool. The planets floating freely, or are there arms? Because it's a copy, it's... not copy, it's similar to the one in uh, Divinity's Reach, right? I don't think they're floating freely. I think there are arms. Yeah. If, see, I think they should be floating freely because it's magic, and then it would be a wand. But they're like, oh, no, there's arms here. I don't know. Arms arms on a making a functional model is joke? Well, it's supposed to be magic wand. So you'd think if it was a magic wand, and, you know, it's legendary. I mean, there's, there's like a magical magic force fields holding it. <laughs> magic wand's icicle. Where's this? <laughs> I mean, now we're way deep in a direction I didn't want to go, but humor me for a moment. Like, aren't scepters the vehicle through which you channel your magic, not the source of your magic? So it doesn't really matter what they look like or whether they're inherently magical? I think so. But I think it'd be easier to channel magic through uh, a crystal than a model of the solar system. I mean, what if their magic comes from the very solar system itself? Oh, and it's a representation, like in yeah, Dresden, like a focus. Maybe. Yeah, so exactly. it's legendary because the, he, the the maker chipped a little piece off of each planet and then put it on. Yeah, it's incredibly accurate. <laughs> okay, if if that's what actually happened, then it is maybe it's legendary. <laughs> but I think we can all agree that a quag and shield is one hundred percent a joke weapon. Yes, we can all agree to that. I think spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's le- It's more. I would say it is less... mm, This is hard. It is lighthearted, but it is more tasteful than some of the original joke legendaries, and I think that's a good place for it to be in. Like, it's it's not super serial, ruining my immersion type thing, but it's also not ridiculously gaudy. It is cute, and it is fun, and it's not ostentatious. Yeah. And I am satisfied with that. Yeah, it's not shooting giant unicorns in everybody's faces. It's it's sort of like what we were talking about with the legendary armor, where it's not really my taste level, but it's also not really in my face, and so I don't mind it so much. But having cluster bombs of rainbow unicorns is uh, pretty hard to ignore. And um, the noise pollution that goes along with it. Oh, God, dude, I haven't uh... played with noise in Guild Wars in ages, and I'm sorry... I, pl- I turn it on literally for each living story chapter, and then I immediately turn it back off because I'm so tired of the noise pollution and callouts, which is a real shame because the music is fantastic. But why don't you just turn voices and effects off and leave the music on? Uh, well, because by the time I've turned everything else off, I usually am just listening to something else. Oh. So, but uh, as to your point about being surprised that this is a joke weapon when we haven't had any Gen 2s that are joke weapons. I think that 
I think that it's okay to have joke weapons. I also agree that the taste level being a little bit more refined is a good direction to move. I just think the most important thing is to not make a joke weapon whose first generation of legendary was also a joke weapon because that is that would really make people upset i think that's a good point i didn't think about that way and i think i can agree with that yeah like the flame seeker prophecies is actually probably the coolest shield in the entire game and at least in my opinion uh it just got an update too so if you use a projectile like uh tides of time which is that mesmer wall that goes out and comes back it reskins it entirely, so it's a glowing book of Flameseeker prophecies that goes out and comes back. It's really cool. Yeah, that's really awesome. So, uh, you know, when you've got a legendary weapon that's already really cool for your Gen 1, I give it a little more leeway to be a joke weapon Gen 2. I think people are going to be really, really mad if a short bow, like if a legendary short bow comes out and it's also a joke weapon. Um or same thing with pistol. Like, oh well, pistol they already did. That's not joke weapons, so that's fine. But I think short I think that's really the most well. important. I think litmus so test. we've mace, pistol, short bow are all done. Staff is done. Right, there was a short bow done. Um, yeah. So I think they kind of seem to target the ones that people had the most complaints about first. Uh, Axe got a serious version in both generations, but that's fine. Yeah. Have you seen the jaw movement on the ice axe, though? Yeah. Not recently. Did they fix it? I thought that was kind of a joke, but I think I'm just being annoying. I don't think at it's a point. joke. It just doesn't look good. Like that's the <laughs> distinction. I'm, that's the distinction I'm making. Like, okay, that's fair. A legendary weapon not looking good doesn't make it a joke. It just makes it <laughs> not good. <laughs> it's totally different. Um, I think I personally was never very impressed with Incinerator. I I think it's very plain looking. I don't think it looks legendary, so I hope that the legendary dagger is a little bit more impressive. And it really didn't seem like a dagger-esque thing, because that's supposed to be like, you know, shadow stepping and, you know, stealth, but it's this little blue flame, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's a Bunsen can burner. You, can I tell you my secret hope for the next dagger? What? Sure. I want it to, like, leave little smoky footsteps and, like, partially erase your feet, so your feet are just, like, smoke, and you are just, like... Yeah, smoke. I'm all about smoke and stealth and sneaky. That'd be pretty cool. Have the next generation, or I guess the second um, set of legendaries, have they done all done footsteps like the old ones or not? I believe so. Footfalls? Okay. I I think they do, yeah. And do they all do the arm thing or just some of them? Just some of them. I know for sure Chukin Chumpwat does not. Um, Hope and the axe do. I don't know about the mace or shield. Yeah, I know. I actually all haven't the three... seen either of those since they came out. I haven't seen the Mace Liet either. Yeah, all three of the hot ones, the like the base hot ones do, but I, I don't know that any of the new ones do the arm thingy. So maybe that was just exclusive to those and they just haven't kept that up, which is kinda of neither I've, here nor there. They've gone they've actually gone backwards and applied that to some old ones, so everyone's oh, really? favorite, the dreamer, got an arm effect. <laughs> and I believe there were one or two other ones that I'm just blanking on right now. It seems to it seems to be you either get an aura or you get an arm effect. Mm, okay. I think also uh, as to Gen 1 joke weapons that people would be upset if, if Gen 2 was. I think depending on your taste level, you could argue that the longbow is a joke weapon because it shoots roses. But um, but at the same time, it's pretty nature-y, so eh. But uh 
Yeah. So anyway, I I think it's fine. I think it's fine to have a jokey weapon as long as it's not one that everybody was upset about the first gen one. So maybe focus. I mean, that was what. What is the legendary focus? Oh yeah, it was the minstrel. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty focusy though. Focuses are kind of all over the place in terms of what they are. Okay, going back to our discussion about meteorologicus and it being you know something channeling your magic. I think it's more it makes more sense to have meteorologus be a focus than a than a scepter. A scepter should be a crystal or a pointed something to really you know, drill it down. You know, get that magic into a a, slight, a tight tight stream. But like anyway. that uh, that aesthetic looks very similar to the ascended scepters. Um, yeah, so here's where I say it is fashion wars. You can pick the look that looks good for you, and I will pick the model of the solar system. Thank you. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway. Uh, that was that was much longer than we were expecting. But what I was talking about was uh, the insider trading segment that somebody posted in our show notes. <laughs> oh, that's what I segued you from. Like, I think we should talk about like legendary shields. Uh, yeah, you did segue that. I wasn't sure if that was intentional or or that you just didn't read the show notes. <laughs> hey, I didn't type in the show notes, so I guess I'm not reading them. It's selfish well, of me, but I mean, you know. Um, long story short. Mo posted on Reddit talking about that they think there might have been some insider trading and that they've disabled recipes that they think were going to do it and that they're going to, you know, change them. I, I don't have much else to say about it. Spirit? No, I don't have anything to say about it either. This, um, this particular discussion was in a AMA thread that appeared on Reddit after the patch, much like there have been for the previous ones. So, I mean, they... I didn't read anywhere that they were going to do it, but it wasn't also totally unexpected because they've done it a few times now when they do a big patch. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's the new communication paradigm: is instead of telling us what's coming, just do it and then have an AMA afterwards. Which, yeah, I'm on the fence about that, but yeah, it mm. it seems to have worked out. So, I mean, we we've talked about this a bajillion times about how like I'm excited and I don't know why, and that makes me deeply uncomfortable. Yep. Um. But or despite, I'm not excited because I don't know what to be excited about. Yeah, I mean, despite me my despite my reservations, I haven't been outrageously disappointed with anything they've put out in the last six months or however long this has been going on. Nine months, maybe. Um, so I don't really have any. I can't really be like, ah, it sucks. They're ruining everything because it's not ruined. It's just disappointing. Um. Had further thought. Oh yeah, there were a few other interesting things in that thread. There was a announcement that they are going to be making hardened leather farmable in the future. In what form we don't know. They just are addressing that. And the price of hardened leather has already gone down ten silver a piece um, since that announcement, and has gone down a little bit more today, not as much as yesterday. But hopefully, it will continue to come down. And everything will get better with that because it is at a place where it sucks. Um, Mystic Coins, they also touched on, but basically said, again, it's people hoarding them. But um, there is a new source of Mystic Coins for those people who are super into hardcore content. And that is in Fractal's The Nightmare Challenge Boat. Um, and I'm not sure I want to get into that right now, but I'll definitely talk about it in the future. I'm actually I'm meeting up with some people to go do it right after we record this podcast. So I'll let you know how that goes. We face pulled it last night and it was just whew, we got to 75 percent on the first boss. There's two more bosses after that. And uh, it just sort of mopped the floor with us as we were unprepared. Wow. That sounds like a raid. It is very much like a raid. But again, I don't want to do realist, So I'll talk about it later some other time. 
Good to know. Um, Yeah, Izzy also had a statement about the farming areas versus recipe costs, uh, and he said basically that they're more comfortable with adding farming than changing costs of um, changing recipes because sort of like... I mean, obviously, if you're changing recipes, it's not that you can't undo it, but that it has an immediate huge impact on the market and it never goes away unless they change something else. Whereas with farming, it'll sort of flex depending on how the market is, you know, depending on how much people want those things, right? So if it gets expensive enough, people will start farming it more. And if it if it gets too cheap, people will start farming it less. And so it'll sort of equalize on its own if they give you a way to reliably do it. Um but if they, they just make it too cheap, then it'll just fall through the floor. Or if they make it too expensive, it'll just become too expensive because you can only farm, like, because <clears throat> there aren't any more ways to get it than there were before they change it. So mm-hmm. I think uh, I think that's a pretty fair, I think that's a pretty fair way to look at it. And I think that I just sort of wish that, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a little bit of a rasp in my throat. I just sort of wish that that had been a little bit more their philosophy the whole time where we had some materials that have always been extremely rare and some that have been extremely common and those did not necessarily match up to what was wanted and so you get situations where you get things that are extremely expensive and in high demand um i mean sort of also because they're high demand but a big part of their expense is that they you you just can't reliably get them and so i i think it's a much better way than just sort of willy-nilly changing the recipes all of a sudden and you know, suddenly you need thousands of silk all at once and look, all silk's gone from the market now and now it's really expensive, right? So um, I, I think it sounds like they've got their head in the right place on on those kinds of changes. And we sort of already talked about the economy a couple podcasts back about aspects being <clears throat> frustrating about things being expensive and there not being a way to reliably get some of these things. And so, of course, people are going to hoard them because, they, you know... Uh, because they need them for everything so if you get if you get more ways to to do that it's just people aren't going to do it so much so it's good not not a huge statement but it was well have we when when you say that it makes me think of cloth and leather which we're getting in ember bay and bloodstone fen and both those maps have been out for a while now and has that seen a marked um decrease in the prices for those at all yet or not and they also I added would say no. Yeah, they also added the nodes around the same time that we had those those additions. And they weren't huge, but you'd think we'd see maybe some change it being what almost 2 months since I Bloodstone Fan came out. Yeah, I think uh, it's more than 2 months. But I think um it's more along the lines of whatever they did with the nodes and with Bloodstone, Fen, and such, I think that stalled whatever was going up in the prices. They haven't really come down, but they also have been stable for ah, okay. as long as they've been out. Right. So, like, as, oh, go ahead. The, those things are nice for bringing stuff into the market, kind of. Because you can't, you can't target a specific level with those, so you end up with like one leather of each tier, which means you can't make a refined version of any tier. And it's just the way it is trickling into the economy. It makes it sort of slow and uh, widespread. But I, I do think it, it definitely slowed things down. Well, and uh, I just wanted to also point out that an example of them 
having done something similar to this and having it made an effect would be the silver waste. I mean, this is way back when, you know, silk is silk was even way worse than it is now. And, um, the silver waste added a ton of, of ways to get cloth. And, uh, I mean, it allowed me to reliably farm up the cloth that I needed for quite a bit of ascended gear. Um, and, and that was good. And the prices definitely dropped on silk after that. Uh, and then they sort of stabilized. And so I think, I think the idea is that they want to sort of do that again. And maybe they've tried some, uh, and, and it's been a little hit or miss, or maybe they've done it, but like spirit said, it just has sort of netted us a neutral, like where it's stabilized, but not really at the point where they want. So yeah, I, it's a fair question though. Whew. Anyway, um, with uh, without further ado, would you guys like to start moving into talking about this new actual story content and or map? Why don't you start it off, Robin, since you have only done the beginning? Okay, so we where did we leave off? We defended Aurene from um, planty, uh, planty death like planty McPlant death face thing. <laughs> yeah, but they're they're destroyers, isn't there? Planty destroyers. Planty destroyers. Planty destroyers. They have vines and they'll they'll thwart you. And anyway, need a quag and shield to stop the thwarting. But never mind. <laughs> and uh, what's his name? Teach Orin to eat quaggins and and capture them in shields. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. let's 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 teach Orin. You know, just destroy an entire species. Yeah, this is what <laughs> we do with quaggins. This is what they deserve. Boo. Uh, uh, is you need to spend defend all the species of Tyria Orin except for quaggins. They're food. Yeah. Yeah, they deserve what they're getting. Quaggins are food, not friends. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So, but Lazarus was there. So you start, and you're talking to, uh, you know, the uh, Illuminate, I think. Is that her name? His name? The The Illuminate, yeah. Illuminate, the head of the, uh, um, uh, the, those guys that live in the Gold City. Exalted. Exalted, yeah. And I I want to know. But I think the Illuminate is that specific Exalted one. Yeah, yeah. The Illuminate's a leader. So, but I want to know what happened to Lazarus. He's just not there. Was there any mention of him? He's just like gone. I guess he left with Marjorie. Yeah, he left and Marjorie followed him. Yeah, so I was a little disappointed that we didn't see more of him. Though I haven't finished the story yet, so maybe you guys can fill me in later. What's Um, very sorry? I mean, all of the stories are kind of disjointed, right? Like episode one uh, followed a completely different. Like that was White Mantle. That followed a completely different plotline than episode two, which is Primordius. Now we're on to episode three, which is Jarmag, and they're following. Like a lot of things are happening, but it's not necessarily a continuation of the previous one. It's like these things are going on simultaneously, like almost simultaneously. Anyway, well, I I think they're actually not going on simul or well, they are, but I don't think the I think the chronology is actually that your character is going in the like time is passing for your character, but there's all these plots and none of them are getting resolved, and so your character is having to deal with all of these things all at once and sort of trying to juggle all of these things and to some extent failing, but we can talk about that a little bit more with um, yeah. relation to Bram in a, in a and couple ti- minutes. Time is sort of threading that together for us because she right. has some contact with the others and she's got the little radio pack, which is kind of cool. Um, so, but anyway, the, the main gist of this is, you know, you, you wake up and you have to start training Arene. And Arene, you know, needs some guidance, and the uh, Exalted have a, uh, you know, a, a obstacle course set up for her. And it was a little reminiscent of, you know, doing um, Trials of Tarir back when you had to uh, get the egg there in the first place. But I, I thought it was uh, was kind of fun and kind of cute. Um, it, it seemed rushed to me, 
And I thought it was kind of funny that they would say, oh, you're teaching, you're instilling these values to her with holograms and doing things. I don't know. I thought maybe I couldn't write it better, but I thought there would be a better way to actually instill values into our reign instead of just simulations. Yeah, I I actually really wanted to bring that up too because I'm I'm pretty over the whole simulation thing in Guild Wars too. Mm. I think there's definitely there's definitely places for it, um, and maybe it's just because we got two back to back, where it was like here is a thing you are going to fight, here is a thing that you are now actually fighting the thing that you fought in the simulation. It just it's not as interesting to me to do a simulation inside yeah. the game. Um, and I think it's a, it's it's kind of become an overused trope in Guild Wars 2. Not, you know, I I'd, I'd agree that. with that. It's not but, a trope, I mean, but it's, it's an overused, um, me- uh, yeah, overused lore mechanic. Storytelling device. Yeah, um, where we we had it with the, the fake Ascension Trials in the Priory. Mm-hmm. We had oh, it God. with the... Uh, you know, in the last patch with the the holodeck, holograms, that the and, and now you know, now it's here in Terrier. I think, um, I think it sort of missed an opportunity here in particular because it would have been hugely impactful if you had to like you. You could have said, you know, it's super dangerous. Orion's just a baby. Um, you know, it's super dangerous to take her out into the world, but we have to do this. It's so worth doing it that we are gonna, you know, mobilize be exalted and move out like into orc base and have a perimeter of exalted and give you that sense of this is so important that we are you know going out of our way doing crazy crazy stuff to make sure that this dragon is safe and happy and healthy and actually doing things you're right because that would have had greater impact yeah so it's not the biggest deal and i mean it's pretty easily explained away by Tarir is created for a singular purpose, and that is to hatch and raise this baby dragon. So it kind of makes sense within the context of the story, but I think it was just a missed opportunity that it could have been so much cooler. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think that you're right. I think it would have been a lot more impactful to take Orin out into the world to really teach her some of these things, because it's not like it's not like there aren't plenty of. Uh, orphans getting uprooted by the other dragons like yeah or like hey you see what these dragons are doing and how it's how awful it is and how it's like hurting these people we don't Mm -hmm. want to do that yeah but anyway except um, for quaggins yeah i i will say my i put in the show notes the immediate because i i sort of uh quote live blogged the show notes so i wrote them as i was doing the mission (laughs) and so the very first thing was uh, we have to do three trials in Tarir again. String of incoherent characters, um, but it was still kind of cute, and I, I at least liked that it wasn't so much that you were proving yourself, but you were trying to like sort of set up a formative lesson. So I mean, it, at least it was a cute excuse, I guess. But I, but I agree from a narrative standpoint. Did either of you have a bug? Uh, I my Orin bugged out, and I had to restart the instance. Yes, no. I had to do it three times. But uh, on a happier note, there's a checkpoint system in this instance so that if you, you know, say bug out on the third trial and you have to leave the instance and restart it, you can pick up straight from the third trial and you don't have to do the first two again. And that was a godsend for me. That third trial, I made a mistake and it had infinitely spawning enemies and I went in there on my Magi's Druid 
and I could kill nothing and nothing could kill me and Orion was bugged and it was a glorious uh, pacifist <laughs> uh, You're teaching a whole different kind awful. of lesson. Yeah, uh, yeah. I had to bring in someone and be like, can you kill things for me? <laughs> That's really funny. Oh, man. Because you have to have power armor in Guild Wars 2. Well, Condi armor would work just fine, but healing power, <laughs> healing power armor <laughs> in a solo instance with instant spawning or, you know, infinitely respawning enemies, not so much. Anyway, moving on. So yeah, then we went to uh, a Frostgorge Sound and just walked through the portal to the north. It wasn't, you know, any grand theory. It wasn't any of the things that people were postulating and wondering about, about going through uh, um, a portal in the uh, in the uh, what the, the the battle not the battle isles the the fire chain isles back to where we were in Guild Wars One. It was just let's walk into this new zone, which I am kind of glad. But, I don't know, it's kind of a missed opportunity because they could have put us into the Sure Peaks through the portal that we did in Guild Wars 1 from the Fire Island chain, but I don't know. Well, that would be if we were going to the Southern Shiver Peaks. Like if we, if we went to the Southern Shiver Peaks and we didn't take a big war-filled route, dot JPEG, uh, it would have been disappointing. But we didn't. We went somewhere new. And that was pretty fine, I think. Like, I'm also. I will also say that I'm glad that this is attached to the actual map, and you don't have to bend over backwards to get there if you want to go through the portal. You still have to do the first story bit, but other than that, you can. There is a portal, and it is attached to a known map in a location where we long. Was that one of the ones that had like a? It, this is a pretend portal, but it's not active, and maybe someday you'll can you can go through it. Location. So um, I don't know if it did. About. I know that um, I heard that that shaman was dropping hints because he noticed the change to the map in a previous update a while ago, and he was dropping hints to see if anyone would guess it. And I don't think anyone guessed it. And finally, just before the patch, he's like, "Oh, this map changed." So I don't think it was like that until it changed recently, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I I don't think that it was a. I don't think it was one of those gates like it was with the. Silverwaste slash, um, uh, well, there's still a spot in Brisbane Wilds, isn't there? There's a broken down bridge and mm -hmm. an area that looks like we haven't gone north yet there. Yeah, there's a couple in Mount Maelstrom as well that I can think of. Yeah. But, uh, so let me see. You, where do we go after Orin? Do we go straight to, well, we go to Holbrack. And I thought that was kind of interesting in Holbrack talking to the Norn and, you know, they want you to, uh, they make it sound like you've got to chip the tooth before you go, but then you just go. I thought it had been cool to bring Timey in, and she would have used the tooth to uh, um, conduct some more research, because it seems like, for a second, I thought that was going to be the materials you needed to bring to her, just get some part of the tooth, or she would have some means to get part of the tooth um, there, the, the tooth of Jor Mag, right? And then, uh, you know, that could be what she needs to uh, do the research, and plus it'd be chipped, and then the Norn would be like, okay, it's time to go north. Yeah, yeah. So but, that seemed but, a little yeah. anticlimactic, but I don't know, maybe you guys know something I don't, because that's about as far as I went. I entered the zone, um, I learned that the Kodan, uh, or this Kodan ship, um, their, uh, like, secret that their, uh, um, their voice or, um, whatever, um, knew was, like, flame. So these Kodan are, like, flame ellies, which is really awesome. Yeah. And that's, that's all I did. I made it in the new zone, I did some harvesting, I'm like, oh yes, more, uh, sended, uh, trinkets that we can get. And I found some more Quaggan, so yeah. Yeah, 
Um, Spirit, do you want to take up from there, or, or should I? Guess I guess so. Um, I'm actually having trouble remembering the order of things. Oh, no, I think I think I know it's coming up next. But um, one thing I do want to say is in relation to those Flame Bear Kogan, or Flame Bear or Kodan, also known as Flame Bears because they are actual bears. Um, there's a really cool mechanic with that and the mastery in this zone, which unlocking the mastery allows you to unlock skills for these torches that you carry around. And the torch skills are unlocked by spending unbound magic at um, these flame keepers. And as you do that, for each skill you unlock, they will give you an extra lore bit about the history of the flame the flame bearers and the history of the codan is fantastic and they all relate to the skills so for example the first one is a sprint and if you talk to the codan he gives you a story about how the fire spread all over the world and in the beginning it was this and this and this and then you get the next one and it's um the the warmth of codan and the skills about protection and it was about how they brought uh, the flame into their homes and taught it to protect people and serve people. And then there's a damage skill and it's all about how they used it to attack their enemies and finding balance between those two. Really, really excellent, well-versed uh, lore bits that you should definitely go check out. There's an achievement forum, so if you're doing achievements in the map, you'll eventually come across it anyway. Uh, but if that's not your thing, I highly recommend going and seeking those out because they're just absolutely fantastic. It gives a lot of context to the zone and it makes the codan feel a lot more probably the codan feel to me after having done that and i mean maybe it's just because it's it's the most recent memory the most fleshed out minor race in the game now with all all of the history that we've gotten about them and in, in this zone is really about the codan and and the quagan to some extent but it's about life in the north and it's not norn centric which Okay, I'll admit, I'm a little bit disappointed. I didn't get that many Norns in this patch, but uh, we're in the Shiver Peaks, and that's close enough for me, and I was very happy, very, very happy so, uh, to be here. On on the torches a little bit more, um, does this make you guys think of, you know, back at um, release, or before release, and I seem to remember, I think it was, uh, um, who was game developer? I'm not getting the name right. Colin Johansson? Yeah, when Colin Johansson, I think seem to remember a video of Colin Johansson talking about, you know, Guild Wars and being different and when you pick up something, your skill bar changes and you have these things. And I kind of feel like they're starting to finally get to, because I think his words were like you pick up a, or a rock and it does different things depending on who you are, or what class you are and what you're doing. I feel like the mastery system is finally starting to flesh out what they've been advertising all along. And I feel like, you know, for like three years, some of the stuff that they've wanted to do, they just haven't been able to hit the nail directly on the head. And now they're finally getting there that we've we've heard about all along, even before release. Thinking about um, the same line of thought, thinking about, uh, um, I think there was some point, maybe it was Movement of the World, that told us the dragons might not, um, you know, be allies. They could be at another. And we've got Timey telling us that maybe we need to pit um, Jormag up against um, Primordis because fire and ice. And so I, I feel like a lot of things from way back are finally coming full circle. And I don't know if it just took them this long to get there or if they wanted to, you know, build a baseline of theirs before they did that or what. But it's 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 kind of nice in some ways that we're there, but it seems like it took a long time to for things to come to fruition. Well, I kind of want to say, 
Well, no, that's, that's totally on topic. I, I was almost going to say, I find it almost ironic because that thing that you were talking about with picking up a rock giving you skills, like, that was in the game at launch. Um, like it, it was, but it, it, it seems like it got... It was there and then shelved until now. Who well, it, actually... it was there and it was shelved. Um, and But the part of the reason that they shelved it is essentially that it was, like, too new player unfriendly and that people weren't using them. Um, which I find to be really funny that if their reasoning is, like, new players don't use them and or players don't like them, but also, <laughs> let's... Uh, like also we can we'll we'll reintroduce them like i don't this isn't necessarily a critique of the um of these torch skills uh per se i just think it's kind of funny that it's a system that they had and then shelved and then brought back um sort of uh but yes it's very reminiscent of that i think um yeah, instead I, of, I, I guess what I'm okay. saying with that with that monologue, or trying to get the point I'm trying to go with monologue is that I wish they hadn't shelved it and just kept um, iterating it. Is the thing I always like to say they kept iterating it all along. But I'm glad that it's now they're doing something because it's obviously something they were proud of and they thought of and they wanted to be. It's what they advertised on in a lot of ways. I'm glad that's back and it's being iterated on again. Spirit, what are your thoughts on these torch skills? Because I have a few more things I'd like to say, but we just sort of. Started, started going. I don't want to go too far away from it if you had thoughts on it. Um, I mean, other than... I haven't really spent a whole lot of time with the torches. I went and unlocked all the skills right away because I had Unbound Magic for previous maps. Um, and I, I mean, I read them all real quick. And I haven't spent a ton of time in the zone itself. Like, I've, I got a brief overview of the meta. I have roughly, like, the story of the map in mind. I have... Um, I know some uses for them, but I don't know why you would like carry them all over the zone with you other than that it looks cool and they are a little bit useful for traveling. Like they give you a, there's a channelable dash skill. So it's like, oh, right for the chest as well. Yeah, it's weird. They're sort of like the keys. I just, I don't have a good enough sense. I have a lot of ideas about what they're used for, but I don't have a good enough sense about whether it's an interesting and good mechanic or not yet just a i know how to use this but i don't understand it in the greater context of the zone yet yeah i will say i sort of two related but opposite points i really wanted to give uh, compliments and kudos to whichever ui designer just um came up with the idea of how the torch looks on your skills before you have the skills i noticed that too uh yeah because it's like well but that like goes away once you have all the skills kind of Kind or rather, of. it like I thought it was really cool that it was a full flame that like fades out, which it still fades out, but it no longer looks it no longer looks like a flame all the way through it, at least not to me. Once you have all the skill icons, um, which is a bit of a shame, I think. See, but... that's part of it. Part of what I'm what I was saying when I went off on my monologue is it's bringing two of the big things that they tried to sell the game on before it came out. It's artistic. It's beautiful. And it's you picking up and using something in your environment in a way you might not expect. And yeah. it's it's sad to me that it's taken four years to come back to that. I yeah. I don't know. I disagree with that, but I don't want to get into a conversation about picking things up in the middle of a story conversation. So we can have we can discuss that some other time. But I for the record, I disagree, good sir. What which part do you disagree with? That they haven't touched on picking up objects and it does a different thing. For many years 
Uh, yeah, I I think that they've had quite a bit of object picking up. But I one sort of not exactly tangent, but related thing that I wanted to talk about was I have I know I know in the past I have lamented a lack of having a large number of new skills and how that was always a big mm-hmm. part of Guild Wars One for me, and I find myself feeling a little bit a little bit maybe frustrated or disappointed that it feels like we're getting all these new skills and then they only are usable in one zone. Um, like, it, I, I actually really like all these new skills that we are getting, but I'm I'm a little bit, like I said, I'm a little bit frustrated or disappointed that it's like, well, I can unlock them and use them in exactly this one place and then, you know, nowhere else. And I understand, I understand why they do that from a balance perspective, but I think from the perspective of somebody who's wanted a lot more like necro build options, for example, for a long time. And we got some with heart of thorns, but then like so many, we've gotten a lot of skills now that are just, I don't know. I, I, it's sort of a meta frustration rather than a specific complaint about any of the skills that we've gotten, because I actually really like, I really like using them. Um, like I, I try to use the um, bloodstone fence, not bloodstone fence. Yeah, plus some fence skills of gliding when I'm not in that zone, and I'm like, oh darn. Yeah, and to some extent, like torches, obviously, <laughs> you're not gonna have torches yeah. all over the place, but, but, yeah, it it just makes, I guess, it just reminds me in a sad way of Guild Wars One, <laughs> but that's that's sort of only something I've been thinking about recently with with regards to getting these new skills in this manner it's not really something that's been grinding my gears so to speak but anyway so i i I think we're ready to move on from from the new skills and continue on with the story talk you guys fine with that yeah yeah so anyway so we yeah so we come in we talk to the codan and the quaggan right and we we go and they suggest that we disguise ourselves as a son of Spawnier in order to talk to them about this concoction that they're making. And I I actually really enjoyed this segment because it, it's it's very quick to get the disguise. You just go kill some sons of Spawnier and mm-hmm. pick up some of their armor and and do it. I actually kind of would love to see this type of thing implemented more often because um, it was it was relatively quick and and fun. But you you turn into one of them. And then you basically go talk to them, and the first words out of the mouth of the guy that's directing them is like, oh, you can talk? Well, <laughs> you have potential. And there's just all these sons of spawn here sitting around him grunting, and I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> like, it just was so funny for him to just be like, oh, oh man, that's this is exciting. I have one of you that can talk now. <laughs> like, I don't know why that was just like a perfect, a perfect little characterization that just, I don't so know. It was, it really should have been funny. like, you could have, you can talk dot, dot, dot. You think your cover is blown. Yeah. Well, he said that he's like, you can talk. And then he immediately goes into like negging you. He's like, Oh, well you, uh, you can talk. I mean, clearly you're not smart enough to be a shaman or a sorcerer or whatever, but you know, you can be my lab assistant, <laughs> which is just like, I, I was loving that part. It was by far, I would say the highlight of the entire living story for me, not because the rest of it was bad, but it just was, I was just cracking up about it. Um, I just, uh, I just found that incredibly funny, but uh, so yeah, you you basically get a shopping list of things to go collect from around the zone to help him make this 
potion that will inure you to the intense cold that is um, sort of in the northeast section of the map. Um, oh, right. And then he leads and he finishes off and he says, you know, make this potion and brew it in basically hot, uh, like hot springs water. And, you know, you'll you'll make this potion. And he's like, do not drink it. Repeat. Do not drink it. I'm going to say do not drink it, which just like really hammered home the idea that the sons of Svanir are not the sharpest tools in the shed. And uh, <laughs> it just the dialogue was fairly fantastic there in my opinion it was it was quite funny and that they um, like to drink things well sure i mean if they can't speak anyway then who's gonna tell them that they're too drunk that's right too sloshed yeah um anyway so yeah so you leave there and then this is sort of that phase of the living story where they introduce you to the hearts and the various activities and gatherables um really not really not much to say about it uh other than just that we get to walk around and, and check out the new map um did you get a chance to explore the the map too much Robin, or did you pretty much just walk into it and then have to log out i walked into it i found uh i was curious as why we had leg gliding i mean i understand from a mechanic reason why we have it in there there's that i found the one that takes you around the uh codan mothership thing and i thought that was fun just to circle around that for a while um but beyond that, I just found the Quaggan Hot Spring. Um, but I don't know, is there a lore reason why, I should, why we should have leg lighting? Is it just magic seeping from Mortimer's death to uh, Jormag as well? And that's why we have that? I don't know. Maybe there doesn't I, need to be a lore reason? I, I believe, believe that's exactly it. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, Spirit. just the overall level of magic in the world right now is so high that things are just going crazy. I mean, the only reason you don't you wouldn't see it in other zones is because... or not new zones. All the new zones since Bloodstone Fen have had it. Um, the only reason you don't see in old zones is because they're, they're the time-locked now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's not, that makes sense. Yeah, that was my impression. Um, Spirit, we we just uh, started talking about the new map. Is there? Do you have any thoughts on the new... And I was talking about how funny it was that the Kodan are dumb as brick. Or not the, the uh, <laughs> Sons of Svani are dumb as bricks. Um, was there anything that particularly stood out to you in the new map? I loved, um, there's a lot of things. I I would really like to just dedicate like half of an episode to this map or maybe a whole episode. Um, But broad strokes, what stood out to me is the beautiful, beautiful Alpine forest. Um, Think on the scale of Guild Wars 1 Echo Vault. Just absolutely beautiful, massive trees. My favorite sort of landscape in games and such. And so I'm having a blast. Um... In that forest, there is a heart where you have to take care of baby griffins, and you can get a baby griffin, baby owl griffin mini, which is like a almost like a more realistic version of the plush griffin mini. It's absolutely the most adorable thing you can find. Um, just fantastic! I I love that whole area. And the other area that I really liked was the Grawl Caves in which the heart is setting you up to build a shrine to a nonsensical grawl god, as you do, um, similar along the, the veins of Batazar in Plains of Ashford. <laughs> uh, it turns out that it, it's a statue of Jorah. And uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, the part of that that I particularly liked, other than the... Um, other than the aesthetic of that area, was that you could go around kicking chickens 
which felt <laughs> yes. awful. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. And then I would punt at them again to try and get their feathers. It was a very chaser. Uh, very fun little so, someone on the Someone on the dev team is missing that what daily that we used to have that was what, what was it called? Where you'd kill the, uh, the innocent animals. Oh, yeah. Indiscriminate Slayer. There you go. It feels like a uh, like halfway throwback to that. That's right. Daily repeatable heart for kicking the crap out of chickens. Uh, that's great. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, you pretty much nailed it. For me, uh, the alpine areas of this game are the areas that I think are some of the most gorgeous, and I'm very partial to that landscape as well. And so I was really happy to see us coming back here. Um <clears throat> And I, I like the icy areas. I like the permanent storm that's happening. I just think it's very cool looking. Um, yeah, the the forest is very pretty. The trees are huge. Uh, I will say, I wish that the mini-map was done a little bit differently in the area with the thickest of trees, because it kind of just looks like a mud spatter on the map. Um, I get that it's supposed to be the top down of like a huge tree canopy, but... Uh... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> didn't didn't quite work out for me, but everything everything about the general aesthetic of this place is is very pretty, and I I'm happy to see more Kodan glacier ships or whatever you call them. Uh, so yeah, it's very very cool place. Uh-huh. Uh, I see um, what you did there. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's great. It's great to see some of these things. Oh my god, I didn't even notice this giant ice dragon head the first time i came in here uh i am clearly running around the zone while we're talking about it uh wow uh above the sons of Svanir, like all the scaffolding i totally missed that my first time in here that's awesome i saw anyway, that in the trailer oh yeah i didn't watch the trailer because I'm a, I'm a bad fan um <laughs> anyway so we so we uh we get this potion it gives us basically uh, frostbite resistance and then we go up into this frozen north area to meet Bram. Uh, and we also find out that, what, it's uh, the the Sons of Svanir have figured out that somebody was uh, masquerading as them, and they've gotten really angry about it, and they think it was Bram, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so you go up there to sort of, like, find him slash uh, help him if he gets attacked by a bunch of Sons of Svanir. Uh, and then you want to you wanna take off there, Kate, in the story? Yeah, I'm having trouble remembering. Is this before, like, in which, uh, in which order do these things happen? Do you go... Do we do the, the you do the spiders, or, yeah, it's the spider boss first, right? The grubs with the ice elemental, or not, uh, ice brood thing that is mutated, and also there are grubs, right? Uh, yeah, well, I know that there's spiders in one part of it because they talk about spiders specifically. Um, regardless, oh, there's okay. basically two two boss fight instances back to back. Yeah, one of the first of which I'm I'm remembering now. I just played this yesterday. You think I would know? But there was a lot of things happening. Yeah, um, is honestly it was a, it was quite a expansive episode in terms of story, which is why we don't know much about the new zones because pretty much all we've had time to do up until now is story. Yeah. Uh, which, That's exactly right. Yeah. So the first one was an instance where you you finally found the the thing you came here to find, the ice the mutated ice brood that has the death and planty magic. Um not much to say about that instance other than 
there's a boss fight is really easy. And oh yeah, that's you right. Yeah, the objective. Yeah, you just blow up the plants like, like as yep. he gets near them. That's you right. Got what you came for in uh, not Frostbear Shines, Bitter Frost Frontier is the name of the map. Um, yeah, you achieved your goal. You got what you came for in Bitter Frost, and then you head off to find Brom, and that's the final instance, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So I does he decide to join Dragon's Watch? So there's a whole Hold bunch on. of drama about that. Yeah. Okay. So you go and find Brom, and he is looking for a scroll, an ancient scroll. Uh, it doesn't explicitly say this in the story, but I've, don't worry, my guildmates have set me straight, and there has been extensive conversations about this. It is an ancient Jotun scroll of of course it is fire magic. Yeah. Um. It was very vague. He was like, I need to find this scroll for my mother's bow. And I'm like, to do... Yeah, well, that, How that does whole... he know about Let me it? find the scroll. Yeah, it was, very, it was very... I mean, he has been up in the Shiver Peaks. That's been established since episode one. Is that He's been up in the Shiver Peaks. Um, That's well, true. and he lived in Crackstead before he got on the radar, too. So Yeah, but I mean, also, he explicitly, after Nor- uh, not Norton's death, Air's death, actual word uh after the his death norm. he went into the shiver peaks specifically to hunt minions of jarmag and the characters say like blow off steam and stuff and help help people up north you don't you don't really know exactly what he's doing so he's been up there for a few if they're still going with the in-game time is real time he's been up there for like four or five months doing stuff looking for stuff so it's not that weird it's just weird to us is like oh this is New information? You think you could have told us anything about that, Brom? Especially since you've been in contact with Timey, and he's like, no. Because I'm a whiny, whiny bad word. <laughs> he... Yeah. Yeah, so, well, more than in I'm not any time before, he is distant and stubborn and singularly focused on making sure that Jormag dies and blatantly disregarding the, I don't want to say human cost, but... uh, The cost in lives? Yeah, the cost in lives that might be a result of going after Jormag at this point in time. And so as as a commander, you go through this instance and you're like, hey, Brom, we're thinking about you know we're we're start we have started a new guild and we'd like to invite you to join and he goes well you didn't you didn't keep destiny's edge because that would have been a good tribute to my mom and we're like well ritlock felt that it wasn't you know it was time to start a new might have been disrespectful yeah it might have been disrespectful and he's like well i i guess you can see it that way and this whole instance is it sounds like i'm exaggerating but it's really he's very it's very tense Angsty. and the commander's trying to get him caught up in, in sort of an awkward way. Like, Oh, this is, you know, Kanak is doing stuff over here and Kodakus is around and there's other things going on over here. And he's like, well, I don't, I don't care. I'm just going after German. Yeah. And yeah, that whole thing is a very, very divisive instance. Some people really like it. Some people really hate it. Who likes it? I <laughs> or rather, why do honestly, they like it? Okay. So I, I enjoyed it. Um, and I guess the reason I enjoyed it is because even though I was upset with Brom and I don't, like, I'm not having any of his attitude, right? Um, 
I understand it. It doesn't seem out of place. And I like, I like where this is going. Um, I think it was well executed. And I like the idea that we're setting up some divisions within the group. It's not all happy fun times. We're a guild of six people you know six people and we're going to take on the dragons and we're going to beat them with the power of friendship and love like there's some nuance there is increasingly more nuance to the storytelling in guild wars 2 uh, that i enjoy and i like the idea that i'm now suddenly like obviously i still care of my character i don't personally i don't care that much about brown but that's another story uh i like that someone we know and that has been an ally is pushing the story forward in a reckless manner. And I think there are a lot of lot of implications or a lot of directions the story can go with this. Um, and yeah, with some division in the group, it will be it will be cool to see how it progresses, how they decide to to take the story forward. But what Bram ultimately decides to do. Um, yeah, like I'm I'm just looking forward to the outcomes of this. I guess more than what happened in the instance, even though he's be- yeah he's being an absolute butt face. Um, I think it it is a good element of the story. That's my justification for liking the instance, I guess. Yeah, I guess I I I understand what you're saying. I guess it doesn't quite ring that way to me. I think I just sort of keyed off of a few of the things that you said with saying that you you like that you know the group is not all happy fun times and and whatever which i am a fan of those kinds of stories but to not put necessarily too fine of a point on it i don't know that the writing or the the ability to tell the story just because of constraints of the medium um has really earned that as being well written in this case uh, the the characters in this game have always felt really sort of bipolar in their in their interactions like mm-hmm. which i uh, i i'm fine with groups not necessarily being cohesive but i get it's just really frustrating to have to have basically these characters that got introduced because they're destiny's edge 2.0 and then you're like, yeah, we're all going to be a happy band for no reason, I guess. But we don't really have any character development. We just sort of decided that we're all good friends. And then be like, oh, actually, like, we're just going to break up the group. Like, I don't know. It's just, I was the way frustrated you say with the way that Destiny's it goes, Edge. So, yeah, What's that? The way you just said it is kind of how it is. So it doesn't, doesn't. It doesn't endear us to the group or make us understand why they're friends or not friends. It just happened yeah. the way you put it. Well, yeah, it just it just sort of happens, and it doesn't feel like we get enough of enough of the story or enough of the motivations or mm-hmm. enough of any of it to make that feel satisfying to me. It just makes it feel cheap. Like I, I don't know. I from from what you were saying, if you were describing a general story. I would probably say like, yeah, I'm really interested in that kind of a story. But from what we've had and the way it's being executed currently, I'm not interested in that in Guild Wars, I guess. But I don't know. I don't, yeah, I, I, I agree uh, with you because um, I think I'm more interested in the world building and the um, overall lore instead of 
of the, of the world and what's happening than the personal things that are happening in this um, for our player character. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, like you said, you you don't care about Bram, right? Like you, the person, don't really care about him. And that's because we just don't like we haven't had that much characterization of him other than being whiny and obnoxious. Yeah. And I don't understand why my character cares about him. Well, yeah, I don't I don't know if I agree, but right. So this gets really complex when you take into account season one and all of the stuff that happened in those season one instances that it's it's now been three years and we've all had a chance to forget about them uh, because we haven't been able to replay them and stuff. And a lot of the characterization of Destiny's Edge 2.0 happened in those instances. That's how we met them. That's how we, you know, we set up their stories. And while I agree, um, you know, at the time that... Like, the characterization has always been super disjointed because you play, you visit these characters for two hours every other month. And, you know, you don't, for most people, you don't go back and play the previous chapter and see how it all flows together. I would wager that if you got into the story now and you could play, like, including season one, you could play from start of rolling your character up until now, you would care a lot more. But the fact that this has happened over four years and just very disjointedly and you can't see all of those things again. You don't, it's not like reading a book where you can, you know, you get all those little bits and then you go, there's, there's things that are easily missed. You could miss a patch. You could just not hear a line of dialogue from an NPC. I mean, I, I totally agree that the medium is, is to blame, but I don't, yeah, like I think if you, like if, if you wanted to go out of your way and follow the story, then it could have an impact. But if you're, if you're also like put like not super paying attention, then it's probably not going to mean anything to you. Well, but how many people are, are super paying attention? But even, even I'll just, I'll just leave that as an aside about how, how much attention people are paying. But even that I've done season two, a lot of times. And uh, I mean, you're right. I can't go back and do season one now, but even in season one, I didn't give a crap about Brox or Bram, to be perfectly honest. And I feel like we didn't get to know them very well at all. They just sort of joined the group. And I was like, sure, we're getting a new character from each race as a new guild group. Sure. Okay. Like, I felt like, and, and I remember talking about on on Relics itself, talking about how season two was actually a step up in character development. Like, I actually felt like I cared about the characters way more in season two than season one and mm-hmm. i have gone back and replayed season two multiple times like i've i've completed it i think seven times um maybe eight and like i that that doesn't really change that doesn't really change how i feel about what i was saying i guess i just i don't feel that it's i don't feel that it's earned that emotional connection for me for my character like for me to be empathizing with my character being so broken up about it but i again i do want to emphasize that i think because you you said it perfectly it's because we only get to visit these characters for you know two hours every three months right that's that's true and that's what i'm talking about with a challenge in the medium but i guess my point is that i think that that's a very real challenge and i think that you have to work around the limitations of your medium if you want the story to work. And it's like that aspect of it isn't really working for me. Yeah. I do like, I do like the overall like gist of what we're talking about. I like Timey's idea of 
like trying to research these magics and actually learn what the you know <laughs> what the heck is going on with magic interior and like how the dragons actually interact with it instead of just sort of like yo ho ho like i'm a kill a i'm a kill a dragon again um and i like the idea of like gathering samples and like watching how they interact with each other and going I, yeah. around the world and i think like, I, agree I, with, I like all that stuff i think i agree with what you're saying for the most part i think i've done season two like five times as well and uh i feel like the only character that i'm really getting more attached to would be timey and i think that's because she's had real loss and growth throughout the story and i don't see that with the other characters as much um bram had loss but he just threw a temper tantrum about it and said he had to do rituals in the middle of a war zone and it's like you seem really disconnected dude and have anger issues yeah well if that's what they're going for if that's what they're going for for that character i guess they're doing a good job but i don't I can't relate to that or have uh, I don't feel bad for him when he's making really bad decisions. Whereas Timey is doing things, you know, to try to help the group. You know, she's very self-centered, but she has real loss, real problems with real growth. I mean, she sacrificed for Golem, and that was some the, one of the more emotional times I think we've seen in the game. So yeah, I think Timey's more interesting than than Bram, and I'm not real excited to have the story focus on Bram right now. But I mean, you can't. So t- Timey's story has come circle right like we've we've seen that growth in there bram is in the middle of his arc he's not like it's not resolved yet so you can't say that you know bram hasn't grown he's just a whiny baby because he's he's in the process of growing like it's just the time span in which we it's been a year and a half uh or no just over a year since uh air died but um the amount of story that has come out again it's it's exactly what we've been saying it's the medium like they haven't physically like been able to resolve his story even though in it could have been resolved or you know growth could have happened within a year like it just hasn't because the amount of story and all the other things they have to touch on now it, now it's getting back around to Brahm and eventually he will grow and change we presume and I could end up smushed <laughs> uh, yeah yeah I mean I think I think what you're saying about we can't really say the final state of his character growth yet is that is totally fair I guess it just sort of, I feel like that sort of supports my point, which is that, again, like the medium is preventing us from telling the story in a way that is satisfying, at least to many people. Um, And like, maybe they, maybe they shouldn't have had this kind of story arc if they weren't going to be able to touch it for a year and a half. Yeah, maybe. But it's a challenge. Like, I mean, because I remember we talked about, uh, who was it that got them, um, that like, Oh god, we like we sort of talked about this with the air memorial, right? With um Traherne and Air. Yeah, Traherne. We- yeah, yeah. Like just the release schedule and like you said that you can't you can't touch everything and if you can't touch it that means that it's going to be a minimum of like 2 or 3 months before you can touch it and even then that doesn't mean that you can touch it then either and so then now you're talking 6 months and you know, it's uh it's a challenge anyway i I didn't Mm -hmm. mean to really be this much of a a a downer on the story i actually didn't dislike the chapter as a whole um but uh, i guess it sort of just brought up some did we finish it or is there more to it we finished Uh, the story okay yeah um there was one thing i was ready to complain about and i haven't even gotten to that yet Uh so anyway spirit why don't you go back to talking well, I mean, we're pretty much at that point anyway. Eventually, you you know, the whole... I will say one thing I really liked about this instance was sort of the scale of it, which is an odd thing, I think, to praise. But it 
the environment and the things that happened to you and the pacing was just right, that it made it really feel like you were accompanying people on an adventure into this cave and fighting the right... I don't know, like, a lot of times in Guild Wars 2, the story instances take place in some weird little corner of the world, and you're like, there's a big adventure going on in this tiny little cave, and like in the lore, in scale, <laughs> it would have been appropriate. But in the game... It's like this weird elbow of the world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you laugh, but I think it's because I'm right. So, I, oh, no, that's 100%. No, I'm completely laughing because that's a really funny way, but completely accurate way of describing yeah. it. Yeah, you're totally right. So I really liked that um, <laughs> the the environment and the enemies you were fighting and the pacing were just right. So it was like, you're going on this little adventure and you're getting caught up and uh, like everything about that was just right. And so then you get to the end of the cavern and there is a boss there that i think Grybach has words about but i don't because i didn't have any trouble with it so well okay let me let me preface this by asking if i'm just an effing idiot or no. if they really just didn't explain it and sort no. of just hope that you'd figure it out quickly everyone is complaining about this i just didn't think about it twice because i figured it out right away and didn't have any troubles with it so okay it's so, definitely valid man, i wonder if i it, should plug my ears so i can see if i can figure out or not uh that's up to you okay just go for it okay so it's it's a gimmick boss right like it's it's not a boss where you just dps it there's there's a specific thing that you have to do and i don't mean gimmick in in a pejorative way but like in the sense that there is some gimmick that you do in order to make the boss take damage as was the boss uh right before it uh just in a different way and so you're in this cave and you see a bunch of dudes standing around rocks with like lasers going to them and like by rocks i guess i sort of mean snow or ice mounds i'm not even sure not the char uh yeah and you know basically bram just and then there's a giant like icy minotaur that's rampaging around and all of the all of the guys and the minotaur all have this buff on them that they have they have defiance uh, or a break bar i guess but the buff basically says they can't be they can't be like broken by normal means and normal damage doesn't isn't effective. And so basically that's sort of that's sort of your clue in that you're not supposed to just be DPSing these guys, which is fine. Um so Bram just basically says, Find me that scroll and I'm just sitting there like how? Like is it does one of these guys have it? Is it in one of these pillars that they're on? How do I break these pillars? There's rubble falling from the ceiling. Am I supposed to like get the rubble onto these guys to like knock them out and have that as a break bar? Am I supposed to have the rubble crash onto the giant minotaur that's running around that's okay. like rampaging? I'm Am I feeling, supposed to I'm feeling like the battle the last fight you did with Orin was that like a precursor to this because you, there was a break the break no. bar was similar. Okay, never mind then. I mean similar in that there's sort of a gimmick for it, but but and like you're not really gonna do anything until you until you get it right, mm -hmm. but uh you know and so and so I'm like okay so am I supposed to make the rubble fall on this minotaur? Am I supposed to make the rubble fall on these priest guys? Am I supposed to get this minotaur to run into walls? Am I supposed to get this minotaur to run into the block thingies? Am I supposed to avoid this room until like am I supposed to kill the guys until they drop the scroll? Am I supposed to? There was actually a huge area in the room like at the north end that you could go that was away from all of this so i was like am i supposed to go there and find 
this scroll and like bring it back to the fight like while my allies are holding them at bay uh the answer is no um (laughs) are you you know are you supposed to get this minotaur to crash into the guys like is he gonna be the one that's bowling them over and then i kill them and then that you know then that lets me find the scroll like and and bram's no help yeah bram's no help nobody's helping right (laughs) i mean they're like attacking but they're not doing anything and so I, I'm, I was just like at a complete loss and I wasn't in danger of dying, but I was just like completely flailing around trying everything I could think of and I couldn't tell when I did the right thing. I could tell that there were enemies that were like the enemies were sort of narrowing down, um, but I, I crashed it. I crashed the Minotaur into the wall because he, he basically like stamps his hooves and, and, you know, does like an ole ole charge. Mm-hmm. And so it's very easy to like get him to run in general directions and so like i crashed him into the wall nothing happened i crashed him into what i thought was one of those ice pillars turns out that was actually just frozen rocks and i had completely missed that that's what happened so it didn't do anything which is what prevented me from realizing exactly what i was supposed to do because i thought that i had done it and it didn't do anything so Basically, I didn't figure out the fight until I had sort of accidentally just dodged around for like 10 minutes and like it sort of just happened on its own. And I'm still not 100% positive what I was supposed to do in that fight. I think I was supposed to get him to crash into the like stone ice pillars that the shaman guys were channeling around. Is that right, Spirit? You are actually supposed to get him to charge into the little guys themselves, the people that are okay. Channeling see, into there the you pillar. go. Like, see, I thought I was supposed to charge him. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there you go. I found it very frustrating just because I didn't know what to do, and I just had it Bram, seems... who I was already cross with, shouting yeah. in my ear, "Find me the scroll!" And then he like <laughs> randomly was like, "No, not that one." And I'm like, "What one? I didn't find anything." Stop yelling at me. You're not my dad. Um. Because you don't have one. Uh, oh, anyway, burn! I was, uh, <laughs> I was a little frustrated. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm not exaggerating with how frustrated I was, but I'm probably not well, as frustrating as you might think I was sounds, from the way I described it. It sounds like it shouldn't. I don't. I can't remember a time where I've been playing Guild Wars and I completed something and didn't really know how I did it. That seems like it shouldn't be. Right, which is why I had to start that with a sanity check of, like, am I just an idiot? Because sometimes that happens. I will fully admit that I am not the sharpest Guild Wars tack in the box these days. Um, <laughs> but it was... I, I did not find it clear. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's my summary of the last boss so, fight. So, did, did Bram get his scroll? Yes, he did, okay. and then he made his bow look really cool and lit it on fire in the good way like you want, and then he like instantly blew away the thing's break bar and damage reduction, and then we DPS'd it down in like five seconds, and then, then it was like, cool. Oh, and then I'm sure he marched off and he wanted to shoot an arrow down Jormek's throat. Oh, yeah, right, and then he uh, marched down and then shot it at the tooth to see if it would like break it, and you were like, hey, Bram, no, really, seriously we might be able to make the dragons kill each other. And he's like, I'm not going to wait a single day. I'm going to oh shoot gosh. this team. Let's go. I'm like, okay. Yeah, so the chapter ends with you in the cave. Just being like, Bram, no, Bram, please. Like, not in a sarcastic way, even though I made it sound sarcastic. But you're like, <laughs> probably not a good idea. Please don't do the, stop. Can, don't do can the you thing. Not? Can you not? <laughs> And he goes and does the thing, and it, it ends with a cutscene of Brom drawing back that bow. 
and aiming, and then there's a crack in the ice. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. He can give dragon cavities. <laughs> um, which should totally be the hey, name wait, so of he was, he was yeah. in, guild. He was in the hall, like down in Holbrack. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he, he shoots the tooth, so you told him not to. Yeah, he just. Well, you told it him just, to hold on. It, you're okay. in the cave. Yeah, you're in the cave, and then it cuts to a cutscene of Brom shooting the tooth, and it cracks, and then that that's it. That's the end of the episode. Um, also, at this point, I was kind of salty from that instance, and really salty with Bram in general because uh, reasons that we discussed for like thirty minutes mm-hmm. on this episode, uh-huh. and so I immediately started uh, talking script about him. Like as soon as he he's like in the hall pulling back and aiming and taking a deep breath i'm like bro that tooth is a story <laughs> tall not gonna move you cannot miss this like are you that bad of an archer <laughs> like you need to go to ranger school bro yeah. um but um anyway i i was i just yeah, felt like i should I... add that commentary in about my mental state as i was watching that cutscene and not taking it very seriously <laughs> i'm really curious how you guys felt about i mean yeah, so I have a lot of conflicting feelings about that ending. And not, so not the final incident, it's like how it ends with that cutscene. Um, on one hand, I like the idea that we're building up um, strong frenemies, because we don't know if Brandon is going to be a friend or an enemy in the future. Uh, like It's sort of like our allies are equally as badass as us, and there's, there's character stories going on besides i am the only person in tyria who gets to slay any dragons and none of you get to help like right i like the idea that there's there's other people having a stake in this and getting involved and and doing cool things um but at the same time it's the answer to it's the start of something that we've been waiting for for four years somebody break the tooth and it it's a not us which is an interesting twist to the story I'm glad uh, it's depending a Norn, on how you feel. Yeah, I'm I'm very glad Snorn. But he used a I bow. I mean with a magic spell on it. That's so not Norny. <laughs> it's, There's it's, nothing wrong on. with no. Bows are fine. I are What do you what do you think he's going to like run to the pub down a beer and then tear it open with his bare hands? Norn no, more going to hit it with a Norn. going to hit it with a hammer. hammer exactly. Uh. Bro, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I'm I'm excited that there are stories going on in and around the Norn, even if it's not in the ideal way that I like it to go, but that's fine. It's okay. I'm enjoying it. I think I'm just more than I am disappointed that Bram did it and not me. Um, I'm disappointed that I wasn't even there. Like my character is not there to see this historic moment. It's just a sort of like flash of something that's happening well yeah i mean your character might be there but since it was done in sort of cutscene like they couldn't put your character in it or something i don't know yeah i'd like that that is the most sour note of the whole episode for me is like not being able to be there during this historic moment that i've been waiting for many 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 actual years (laughs) to see and that 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 has activated the salt I mean, well, I That's guess funny. we'll we're, see. We're salty about completely different things. And the I other thing, really... yeah. The other thing is, what if, if you know, this scroll was gonna break the the tooth? Why didn't someone go and get it all? It's been four years, or even longer. Someone had to know about this scroll. 
Okay, so I actually want to comment on that because that was actually my first thought was like, where have you been hiding this stew? Yeah. I, mean, I know where, but why have you not used this magic scroll that apparently is like a scroll of dragon slaying? Because I had no idea that it was a Jotun scroll. And if they just said that in the text and I completely ignored it, I, like I said, I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> but I did not know that. And so after hearing Spirit say that it was Jotun magic, that actually makes it totally legit yeah, to me but... because the Jotuns were one of the races that originally fought and uh, subdued the dragons in Tyria. So wait, like I'm pretty, I'm pretty okay with ancient magics from the last but wait, guys that were successful. Did, did, wait, why, again, though, why didn't someone else do this? Did like Lazarus whisper in Bram's ear? Oh, by the way, I think there might be a Jotun scroll up here. Because if that was the case, oh. maybe. I would ship that like well, FedEx. Think <laughs> Lazarus X Bram. Like, can you imagine? I think it's more that there are no like there are no Norn in this zone. Like this is this is a Koden and Quagen, and there's one Jotun in the whole map area. Like it's just this isn't known to them. This isn't a place they've been for. Uh, Bram says no one's been in this cave for a generation. Like that just and a generation among Norn is a long. T- they live a long time. Like their lifespan well, is over 120 years. Most of them don't live that long. You can talk about that, but I mean, well, there's multiple generations in one lifetime. Yeah, I've, that's a whole. It's messy concepts. <laughs> anyway, I, I don't. I wouldn't involves. be surprised if it wasn't known to the Norn and Brom found out about it via the Kodan or whatever he's been doing up there for five months. And the the fact that that, you know, isn't stated anywhere or isn't obvious anywhere is, you know, well, then why on didn't the Kodan that, get I, I can this thing? Are they trying to get it? I mean, Do the Kodan care, though? I mean, well, kind of, but they're, they're all about the... It's weird to think about where the Kodan stand on this. Would they... Well, the Kodan believe they're in actually... self-preservation, at least, and you'd think that if it's something to at least hold the line they'd want it yeah i bet i would bet oh i just punched my microphone again um because i had an idea i would bet that if you explore the zone fully and read the and try and understand the code in the zone i bet um you could draw some interesting connections between it because it, it is okay. a fire scroll mm-hmm. and the code like all this whole zone is about the code relationship with fire and their ideas about well, balance isn't it? and no, the spirit of fire I got the feeling that it wasn't that like the Kodan has a race relationship to it. Isn't it this sanctuary, this set of Kodan, their um, voice or their you know priest is the one that has the fire. The other sanctuaries that we've seen that have been crashed in Frostgorge Sound, they don't have that. Only this one does. Or am I wrong on that? I am not certain, but the impression to me was that it is it is all Kodan have this oh, relationship okay. with fire. But may- maybe this one could be specialized, and that's why they like they in particular are teaching you and taking care of the flame. But the stories that I have heard about the torches, this is the general like Kodan creation myth type thing. Like this is how Kodan came to be. And this is explaining why we do. It's very, um, reminds me a lot of like native American stories, to be honest, like the, the idea of these spirits and animism and these, different aspects of the world have life and we have to teach them and they teach us and things like that. I, yeah, I always, yeah, anyway. I always thought that the Koda um, religion, um, you know, worldview was kind of a mix between Buddhism and um, tribalism, Native Americanism, stuff like you said. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I would agree with that. I think that they're very Native American inspired or just tribal peoples, I guess. Not necessarily, Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, 
the scroll for it sort of felt like it came out of nowhere. And I guess this sort of goes back to our earlier discussion point, although I'm not going to dredge that up too much. But um, like, I get that Bram has been doing this for the past five months, uh-huh. uh, but it just feels a little bit like out of nowhere for us as player characters. Uh, whereas like, oh, time, what time he's been working on is like, uh, like we've been actively working on that. So I, I don't know. It's, uh, it it felt like it kind of came out of nowhere. I'm I actually am glad that it's Jotun or Jotun magic. Uh, that actually makes me feel a lot better about it. But uh, at yeah, least the whatever. theme of ancient magic is recurring. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we've gone to like the dwarves, right? Mm-hmm. Like we we looked at like some dwarven sealed magic and like yeah, whatever. We we did some forgotten magic type stuff with the ascension, um, you know, in in season two. So. Anyway, uh, I yeah, I did not, I did not find that ending cutscene particularly uh, upsetting or frustrating to me. I I felt like it was fine, but I totally hear what you're saying about not even being there when that was sort of like the main Norn thing. I think a big problem also is that there just aren't other Norn characters, <laughs> really, right? Like in in the story, obviously there are other Norn characters, but when you think of humans, we've got all we've got the several humans in. Uh, in what Dragon's Watch is that what we are now? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got several humans in Dragon's Watch. We've got Farron, the idiot playboy. We've got Queen Jenna. We've got Anise. We've got Codicus. Yeah. We've got um. Those those are the main ones. Like, but that that's a that's a big handful, right? Uh, Silvari. We've got Kaith. We've got uh. Oh, and also we have uh Logan. Um. So we in Silvari we have Kaith. We have Kanak. We have um, previously. Oh my gosh, what's her name? Uh, Kate's lover, friend of me, Fallon. Yes, thank you. We have Fallon. We have the Pale Tree, even though she's you know out of action, out of commission right now, right? So there's there's three, four major characters. Uh, with Char, we really only have Ritlock uh, and Rocks, to be honest. Um, so Char is very underdeveloped in that respect, and and with Norn, we pretty much had. Bram and and uh Air. Air, who is now not with us anymore. And with Asura, we have a few. We have a few more, not as much as the others. Like Asura is sort of in the middle in terms of racial development, I feel like, because we do have Timey, we do have Zoja, we do have Flunt, you know, we do have we do <laughs> we regularly encounter the inquests. So even though they're sort of a faceless enemy, we still have regularly been encountering them. Uh, and then also, maybe not so much characters, but we have a lot of characters in the lore that we deal with that are certain with um, Omad's machine and characters from Guild Wars One that were Asura that were big influences. We have no Red and, Novus itself and the people who founded it, like you were just saying. Right. Yeah. The, all that stuff. So you know, the Asura are sort of a middle developed race, but but Char and Norn have both been very underdeveloped as far as having NPCs that we really know anything about other than the very sparse personal story uh instances up to level 30 and so if you if you didn't play a norn or you didn't do the norn story or you haven't done it in three or four years there's there's not a lot of other characters to draw on right now and so it kind of pretty much all of it is on bram's shoulders right now and i think that's probably leading to some getting of the back narrative. to bram as you were saying that i was thinking about Bram and what how he acted in Hot and the term that you guys were saying what frenemies. What if he does, you know what if he's consumed with revenge? Because remember when you're playing the, the end mission in uh, 
Heart of Thorns, and you're talking to Traherne, and Bram says, what do we do? Burn every field, fell every forest? And that's kind of, you know, that's pretty drastic measures. If he's willing to do, you know, kill every living plant in the earth, there's definitely a cost to that. Mm -hmm. He's willing to do it for his revenge. I think there it's illustrating what we're seeing now somewhat. Maybe maybe he'll become uh, corrupted of uh, Primordus. Man. He'll embrace the flame fully. Oh, just to kill. Man. Just to kill. Uh, yeah, like I. Dormag? Yeah, as yeah as weirded out and sort of bummed as I am, I'm really excited about the potential directions they could be taking Brom. Like it. So we're we're in a weird we're in his awkward teen phase, right? <laughs> but why? Yeah, but he's, <laughs> he's kind of awkward. Awkward. He's so right. Why is he so consumed? This though? we killed. We killed uh, Mordremoth. Why is he still so consumed? Why is he after Jormag so hardcore? Uh, I mean, I think you'll, I think you'll have a different perspective on this after you played it for yourself, Robin. Okay. But um, one of the things, I he, don't. <laughs> fair enough. One of the things he says specifically in the instance is, uh, you know, every moment we wait, somebody else's mother dies. Like it, that's his his rationale for why he's after Jormag now. So I get from that. What Norn mothers matter and and uh, uh, Azuran mothers don't, because you know Primordius is waking up and killing people too. Sil- Silvari mothers too. Yeah, <laughs> our entire race's mother died. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I I mean I think there's also just the general thematic, like the Norn have always struggled with Jormag in the last hundred years or whatever. Um, it's a very personal struggle to them just as a race entirely and so even though jormag wasn't the cause of his mother's death like i i think the fact that we killed mordramoth doesn't really make him feel any better yeah. about it i think he's just mad at all the dragons and he's focusing that all on sort of their race's primary antagonists mm-hmm. that caused them to move south in the first place and displace them all from their home. So uh, his his anger at Mordremoth, I, I at least understand from a general uh, lore standpoint within the, the universe, like all Norn grow up testing themselves against the, against the tooth, right? Like that's sort of one of their, it's like their sword in the stone type thing. Like mm-hmm. every one of them, like wants to see if they will be the hero that can finally sort of reclaim their races standing and their homes and, and all that. So, I mean, you know, even though Jormag didn't do anything quote unquote directly to him as sort of just the general culture surrounding it. So, I mean, that doesn't, the fact that he's really hard after Jormag doesn't, doesn't really bother me that much specifically, not talking about the context of, (laughs) what how how far he's willing to go with that i guess but yeah man i'm really like the more i think about it the more sort of bummed i am that it happened in this way because again you know to get back to what we were talking about with you know you can't pick up the story for three to six months or whatever um i wouldn't be surprised if we picked up next time with either lazarus or uh Kanak after codicus and or, you know, if if we didn't follow directly on the storyline. But I want to. I want to so bad. Like, if this, you know, if that cutscene, Brom picking up the bow and, you know, shoots his arrow into the tooth and it goes, you know, the screen goes black and it goes a crack in the ice and it's the dragon spinning around and all of a sudden, next expansion, like, whoa! Like, that would have been so cool. But there's, there's a sense of immediacy with this where it's, you know, we got to go now. We got to do these things. I'm not giving him a single minute. We're going to right now to kill the tooth. 
and we're not going to follow up on that because we got to go do other stuff. Like, oh man, that's going to stink. Like, oh, I just, oh, the salt is real. I'm not, like, I'm not, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I'm not even disappointed that it happened, but like, I don't know. I have so many mixed feelings. That's that's how I started this conversation. I still have mixed feelings. There's no there's no there's no resolution to my feelings right now. Uh I don't know. Much like these story threads. I, I'm gonna have to play it for myself, but I think I might have to agree with Grybach that this sounds like the best part of the story is when uh the uh senior um dude's like, Oh, you can talk. <laughs> I mean I don't think anybody can argue that, that was the funniest part of the story. Uh Going going back to Cade though, um, I just thought of something. Did you guys also think it was adorable that Cade thinks that we actually trust her now? <laughs> that question is way funnier than it should be <laughs> because we we've talked about this on the show several times. I, <laughs> I just thought it was really I'm sure funny our character, because I'm sure our character trusts her. But our I don't know if that's true because our character is just kind of like. Mm-hmm. She keeps, she keeps saying things, and our character doesn't ever confirm nor deny. <laughs> Spirit, do you care to comment? Uh, I really don't give a hoot about the Silvari. <laughs> um, I'm like, yep, they can have their expansion. That's fine. I'll get, I'll get one that I'm more interested. I'll get a Char expansion or an Orin expansion eventually. I'm not that invested in the Silvari story or Cave. Um, I, I can't remember if the character said it or if somebody said it in a video, but it's not like the idea that it's not that weird that we let Cave hang around the dragon because in all of the craziness going on, no matter what was happening around her, she couldn't, you know, she couldn't tell who was friend or enemy or whatever. All that time was spent protecting this dragon egg and so i did like the fact that it's hatched doesn't uh like she's still gonna protect it always i guess so it, it's not that weird to me or had like having heard that rationale for it, it isn't that weird to me but i don't really care what cave does anymore <laughs> to be honest she's not yeah. not relevant right now yeah i mean well yeah, I, many of the problems that plagued Kate are a, sort of exactly the problems that I've. That, I mean, we've spent this whole episode talking about, in some ways, plaguing Bram mm-hmm. is, you know, and I, I don't really have much more to say about that. I, I also, I'm sort of, I'm sort of done with dealing with Kate, and I kind of don't care how it gets resolved anymore. Um, but yeah, 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 I, I'm, I agree with that, I guess. But, well, that was a lot more. Uh, heated discussion that i was expecting about this story episode yeah Um, i mean so you and i have both played it did you like the episode or did you not like the episode i liked it yeah no overall i I did like it yeah i just i feel like we have to get that out there because it sounds like we crapped on it the whole time but really it was quite an enjoyable experience and overall yeah, yeah for sure um yeah i i think there were a few issues with that like like i said with that last encounter not necessarily having clear enough tells of what you're supposed to do but whatever that happens that's just Um, weird because you know a living story season yeah season two and you had the plant dragon all these things happening the tells were so good and it we were i remember on the show we were talking about how it felt like a zelda game and it was so awesome and we hope that they keep doing that yeah yeah i i'm finding myself 
having some strong positives and some strong, maybe not negatives, but kind of feeling like we maybe took a step backwards in a lot of areas in season three. Like the strong positives are, I am really happy that we're getting these new maps. I, the maps are a huge deal for me, mm-hmm. even if I don't talk about them at length. Um, I think they're great. They're, they're really nailing that. I like that they're expanding the mastery system. Um, a lot of these things are really good. Uh, but I can't help but feel that the writing and a lot of these, the scripted encounters were, Maybe I'll say tighter in season two, but maybe that's just me. I think I'm going to agree with you but again. Anyway. I think I've said that a lot this episode, but I'm going to agree with you again. <laughs> it's a very agreeing episode, I guess. But no, I, I definitely want to get back to what Spirit said. I, I think that we both definitely enjoyed it. I I am frustrated with Brom, Bram, whatever, as a character, and we talked at length about it. But being frustrated with, with him as a character doesn't mean you enjoy it. That might be you know, part of the story that you'll get to enjoy. Is that, is that, is that true to say? Yeah. Yeah. That's basically what I'm saying. I'm not I I don't quite like the direction that they're the way that they're choosing to tell that part of the story, but as Spirit alluded to, I think it does at least open up some possibilities for some interesting events to happen, and I am looking forward to those events. So, even if I'm kind of annoyed with Bram and the way that he's being presented in the story, I do agree that I think it's going to take us some interesting places. So, yeah, I mean there was there was a lot of sort of meta discussion, but I so far I'm liking the episode a lot, and there's still a ton that we didn't even get a chance to try because again, this is literally mm-hmm. the day after it came out, and we got as much as we could get done yesterday, and then recorded this right after work. So um, we're gonna be back next week to talk about all the rest of the stuff and any settling thoughts that we have on what we've talked about, and probably talk more about the map because there really is a lot there. Um, yeah, I have and- a. I have a ton to say about some really cool rewards that they added in this map and with this patch related to the story. But then also, you know, there's the whole fractal thing that I, I'm, I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about that because there's a lot, lot to touch on there too that I'm looking forward to talking about with you guys. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to hearing about it too because I probably won't have time to get to the fractal, but I'm really going to be excited to hear about some of the reward stuff because I haven't like I said, I really just had time to do the story last night, so there's still a ton for me to experience this week slash weekend. So anyway, this turned into even longer than a normal episode, so I think we better call it here. No cast cast. Um I'll do a mini win. Hello and welcome to Castcast, the podcast with the podcast, about the cast of other podcasts and stuff, cast of other podcasts this week on Castcast. Um, I just, I found a person on YouTube that I really like that's making some great uh, Guild Wars 2 videos. So shout out to Serial Experiments, not like the, like things in a row, not breakfast food. Um, Serial. He does short form World v. World videos specifically about Mesmer's. Um, so it'll be like three minutes of here are some really cool ways you can use your portals. Here's like five minutes where I had to make a decision about whether I was going to defend this tower or whether I was going to defend this keep, um, you know, in relation to and with voice comms about what the commander is saying. And he's got some really insightful stuff in his comments and in his video descriptions. Uh, I've been really enjoying watching those and I... I don't play Mesmer and I hardly World v. World, but I just think they're so cool to get that perspective. And I like that they're bite-sized, easy to understand, and don't treat me like an idiot also. Like, it's a nice in-between. 
Um, highly, highly recommend if you're interested in any of those things, or even if you are just like passively interested and just want to know what mesmers do, even if you don't play a mesmer, I think, I think it's a great resource. So go, go check them out and follow them on the YouTubes. Also, he's on uh, Sea of Sorrows, but that's unrelated. It's just an extra bonus point. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we might as well add this now just because we already started working it out behind the scenes. And even though we're going to have another one next week, we are looking to organize some sort of co-podcast again with the Guild Wars reporter folks, ladies, awesome people. And that will be happening sometime mid-December. So that's... Uh, not so much news that's happening right now, but something to look forward to. Hopefully, Uprising we always enjoy rapidly. doing those. Oh my god, the, yeah. the end of the year is going so fast. You guys, hold on. Yeah, it's uh, that's pretty crazy. So anyway, we'll be doing that, and I we don't have an exact date, but somewhere probably around the second. Oh my god, the second week is in two weeks. Mm-hmm. No, that would be the first week, I think. So yeah, it's probably gonna be in three weeks from now depending on how they're counting weeks. So anyway, uh, that'll be fun. And it, we'll see how much juice is imbibed. Uh, it may be zero or it may be non-zero. I'm going to make eggnog. Ooh, that sounds fun. <sighs> I love eggnog, but I can't. Uh, I can't. That's too much sugar and uh, carbs for me to drink in any amount. So we'll just dilute it with rum. Yeah, a lot, <laughs> a lot of rum. <laughs> Yeah, that's not really eggnog I like anymore. rum. It's just like eggnog-flavored rum. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that is it for this episode. Thank you for listening into this long episode, and I hope we didn't give off too negative of an impression, because as we said, we both actually are enjoying it quite a bit in general. I'm so. enjoying what I've done, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's good. Uh, Sons of Spawnier are dumb, and we are saying goodbye. Uh. I thought you were going to say Sons of Spani are dumb and we are too. <laughs> and we are too. This has been another episode of Relics of War. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofor.com, email us at relicsofor at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.